We peaked early, apparently. According to our reading from Acts, we as Christians hit our high watermark 2,000 years ago. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. We don't need to be communist sympathizers to respect the attempt here. Simply put, our ancestors in the faith took care of each other. They used their wealth not to turn their nest eggs into fortresses, but to make sure that everyone had enough. Not only did they pray together in the temple, they shared meals together at home. And they had a nice time doing it. Gatekeeping didn't seem to be an issue back then. No one worried about who deserved to be in or out. The openness worked. They had no trouble with their pledge base or their average Sunday attendance. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It sounds a little too good to be true. Maybe it was. Some biblical scholars believe that our author Luke was giving us a vision to strive for, but that it never quite matched up with reality. Regardless whether or not the good old days were really that good, it didn't stay that way for long. Three chapters later, we have Ananias and Sapphira holding back from the common pot. Chapter later, we have widows griping over who's getting stiffed and the daily distribution of food. So here's my question. Were the early Christians victims of their own success? Perhaps we're too big now for our own good. Can Christianity actually be practiced in institutional form? Or to say it another way, just how many sheep can we fit in the sheepfold? before the natives start getting restless and turning on each other. Even Jesus realizes a need for crowd control. We're used to him being the good shepherd, but in today's gospel, he's also the gate for the sheep. Ponder that for a moment. It's not just open pasture with no rules and no protections. In this case, though, the gate is not about denying access or trapping us inside. The gate swings out, as well as in. We're meant to come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, in church terms, we were never meant to find everything we need inside the sheepfold. The point is to give us a safe place to rest find some nourishment so that we can go back out into the world with greater strength and confidence. And yes, generosity. After all, if our faith in Christ does not give us all more room to breathe, if it doesn't expand our horizons and give us a bigger world, then something is horribly wrong. Remember, Jesus came that we may have life. Have it abundantly. If 
the goal is life and freedom, why have the gate at all? Well, in a world that is also full of thieves and bandits, we need boundaries. It can be as healthy to say no as it is to say yes, sometimes. We can't afford to follow every voice that calls out to us because some are out to steal and kill and destroy. It's naive to think otherwise. A gate at least offers some safety, some protection. It, it gives us the support and the care that we need so that we can be generous and make sure that everyone has enough. The challenge, of course, is figuring out when to say yes and when to say no. In a city like ours, we are presented with more needs on a daily basis than we can possibly meet. How do we decide when to give and when to say no or not now? Perhaps we can start by remembering our role. While we all have a responsibility to protect the vulnerable, we are not the gate. Jesus is. It is not our job to make moral judgments about who deserves help and who doesn't, who's allowed to make choices and who isn't. We are all equally human and equally worthy of compassion. Some of us just have stronger safety nets and support structures than others. Nevertheless, there are practical reasons why we might not give in a certain moment. We need to consider the safety of the whole community and the purpose of our gathering, for instance. When someone is a danger to themselves, or to others, we cannot always give in the way that they would like us to. In addition, a space such as this needs to be a place of rest and nourishment for everyone. And everyone needs to respect that, even those in need. There are also larger systems that can give more effectively and on a longer-term basis than we can. As individuals, it is wisdom and justice, I might add, not stinginess to draw on them as well. Even then, though, we cannot assume that these systems always work or that what used to exist still does now. Nonprofits, social service programs, they come and go. Locations and hours change. Finding real help when you're in need it's not easy. That's part of why we need communities of faith like this one, to pool our wisdom and our resources. Jesus is always going to push us to be more generous than we want to be. The church is here in part to help expand our vision and channel that push. That said, once we make a gift, it is not our task to police how it's used. A gift is a gift. We make the best decision we can in the moment, and then we respect other people's freedoms just as much as we'd want our own to be respected. Make no mistake, this is tricky stuff. The work 
of generosity is too big and frankly too important to be left to well-intended lone rangers, although we need them too. Fortunately, the good news is that it is also in generosity, in serving, in giving of ourselves that we find our freedom. The more we give, the less we're controlled by our fear of loss. We start to learn what we can live without. It turns out we are not too big for our own good. We're big so that we can do more good for those inside and outside the gate. Where are you called to give? What can you live without? In the name of the one who won't settle until we all have abundant life. Amen.